For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the Anshe Spoke podcast. Today, I spoke with Allison Beggarly. Allison is a blogger, influencer, speaker, and the founder of Inspired Budget. Allison became passionate about budgeting when she and her husband worked together to pay off over $111,000 worth of debt on two teacher salaries. As a teacher and small business owner, Allison combined her passion for teaching and finances to help others learn how to start budgeting. Since starting Inspired Budget in 2017, Allison has been able to retire as a teacher and take her desire to help others full-time. Now she is helping women all over the world get started with budgeting when they feel lost and overwhelmed. I think you'll love her vulnerability and how open and honest she is when she speaks about her own money stories. She teaches about money from a place of I've been there. I know you. I was you. It is beautiful, inspiring, and we have so much to learn from her. I am so pleased to introduce to you, Allison Bakerly. Hello, Allison, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Sandy. I'm so happy to be here. You know that money is my favorite, favorite topic, and it's because you work in money, and we're going to hear your story in a second, but I have been really looking forward to this. I have a list of questions. I want to talk all about money and money mindset, mindset, and specifically around women. I'd love to learn your thoughts, but let's learn who you are. Can you tell us a little bit of your background story and what your business is? Well, right now I work as the founder of Inspired Budget, but Inspired Budget didn't exist whenever my story started. In fact, my husband and I got married. We were both teachers. I was teaching third grade 
math and science. And so I was a third grade teacher and we got pregnant on our honeymoon and we realized once we were pregnant, the shock settled in that we were going to have to take care of a child. I, mean, I was just 24. It was never my plan to get pregnant at, right after we got married that we could not even afford the daycare payments because we had so many loans and we were living this life that we couldn't afford that we didn't even have $800 left over to pay for daycare. So we figured out that we needed to change our lifestyle and pay off the debt. We had $111,000 worth of debt between the two of us. We had never totaled that number up. And I honestly didn't know that was normal at the time. Like, doesn't everyone have $100,000 over $100,000 debt in debt? I know. I was like, is this normal? Like, you know, we were making not even half of that amount together combined. Well, no, that's not true. We were making about half of that combined. And no, that's not true either. Hold on. <laughs> I clearly don't know my math anymore. And this is how um, you get into trouble when you don't know, I know how much you Exactly. Make. <laughs> okay. So let's start that over. Editor, cut that out. Okay. <laughs> we were making just two teacher salaries and the idea of paying off over a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt was just, it seemed impossible. Mm-hmm. So tell me, I want to know when you were a kid growing up, what were you taught about money? Was like debt something to fear? Was it normal? Was it expected? Tell me how you, when you grew up, what was the money story there? Well, my parents had debt and they, they talked about it, but not as much around us. And whenever I went to college, my mom was so great. She sat me down and she said, okay, you know, here's the amount we have set aside for your college. It's not enough to cover it, but it's enough to help you out. And you're going to have to take out student loans. And she said, people are going to offer you a ton of money, but you don't need to take all of that. Let's sit down and figure out exactly how much money that you really need to cover the amount of the amount of school you have. And you're only going to take out that amount. So that really helped me not graduate with as much student loans as maybe my husband did or some of my friends, but it's still, I, I really, I went to college and I remember getting out student loans. And for some reason in my mind, my silly college mind, I just thought like, Oh, I'll never have to pay this back. Let me go to Victoria's Secret. Let me pick up Starbucks every day. Like this is never something that I'm going to have held over me because it, I wasn't being forced to face it in that moment. So you thought just because it's a student loan, like you, you're not really responsible for it? I guess. I don't know. I just never thought about it. Huh. I never I never thought about it. I never had to sit down and look at how much was adding up. I was just like, oh, whenever I get out of school, I'll I'll be a teacher. I'll be making tons of money and I'll have, you know, I'll be able to pay these off so easily. And it's a, right. I just never thought it mattered. I used my student loans to buy clothes, to go traveling. I used my student loans for things that didn't include school. And I just, it never hit me until I graduated. And then I really, it didn't even hit me then until that first loan payment came through that I was like, wait, what? you're saying that I have like, this is a lot of money every month to pay back. And I'm not making nearly as much as some of my friends who went into business they're making. And so it was a shock to my system, but I just continued to push forward. And then whenever I got married, my husband had even more student loans than me. And so our minimum payment on all of our debt, our student loans and our cars was over $1,400 a month. Wow. And it was, it was a lot to take in. So tell us about that moment when you sat down and you tallied it all up and it's $111,000 in debt. What did you do next? Well, I looked at my husband and I was like, is this normal? Because no one talks about money. No No one was talking about money. I said, is this normal? Like, are we, are we way off? Are we on track? Like, I don't even have a reference point for this number. And I remember him being like, 
I don't think it's normal, but I don't know either. Neither of us had no idea. We had never talked about it before. And so when, when we realized we had that much, we were like, okay, like we should probably pay for this. But the thing that really forced us to change our habits was when we realized we didn't have daycare money. We didn't have enough money to even pay for a daycare payment, let alone me stay home because right. he was just on a teacher's salary as well. So we were like, oh gosh, like something's really not right. If we're two college graduates and we won't even be able to afford daycare. And so that's when we really sat down. And once we started learning, like, okay, it's not that normal to have a hundred thousand dollars worth of, you know, debt when you're this age. And that's when we decided that we didn't want to live this life that we found ourselves in because we didn't do the research because we didn't know anything beforehand. We just kind of woke up and we were here. And we decided we didn't want to be there anymore. So what did you do to get out of it? I was really, I was sick. I cried a lot. I was pregnant. We did a lot. I mean, we first, we started our debt snowball. We started paying off debt and we lived on a budget. And the first time we ever wrote a budget was awful. It sucked. We, I was like, this is not worth it. And we just lived on a lot less. I am an impulse spender. I love to spend money. I had to really learn how to deal with those urges. And, you know, there are still times whenever I overspend and I have to, face that. But I learned how to really stop spending based off of my emotions and trying to find that happiness. And I had to learn to find that happiness elsewhere, whether it was within, whether it was reading a book or going on a walk. And that was hard for me. And then I turned to happiness for food. So it it went from going to being a spender and buying things to eating. And so I had to learn over time, like, okay, well, this isn't normal either. Where's the healthy way for me to deal with this? And that took therapy, but it took us really living on a budget, being willing to cut out unnecessary things in our life so that we had enough money to pay for daycare and send extra money to debt. We knew we wanted to grow our family. We knew that we would want to have another child before we became debt-free. So we did things like take on different side hustles. My husband drove a school bus for the marching band, I mean, to earn extra money. So we did what it took. And we lived very differently than those around us so that we could have that freedom by the time our kids were five or six years old, where now, you know, we don't have those loans. We don't have any car loans, so we can live differently now. I think the story that you're telling, a lot of people are going to relate to that. And I think that I do agree with you that we don't talk about this. Like it's money is so secret and hidden and like mm. it's in the shadows. We never say like, Oh my God, I'm in debt. And this is what yeah. I had to do. It's like, there's a lot of shame around it. Right. And so we're always teaching our clients that money should just be neutral, right? Like money mm-hmm. is just a thing in the world. Yeah. Like any other item in your life, it's just, there's so much wrapped up around morality with money and like you're a bad person because you had debt mm-hmm. or you know you clearly you don't know what you know that there's so much judgment around it yeah. and so I'm really trying to part of our work I think with this podcast is really trying to unravel that and have these important conversations so that if someone's listening and has debt it's mm-hmm. like you're fine you're going to be fine yeah. you know like we don't judge you for it like we just there's no place for us to learn this mm-hmm. behavior there's nowhere No. And then sometimes, you know, you're so young when you sign yourself up for it. I remember my husband said he got a, he signed up for a credit card to get a free t-shirt outside of a Chipotle once or something. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you don't know. And, and I can't go back and teach my former self 
but I can go back and help the people who are in the same spot that I was in whenever I, my eyes were opened up and I realized, wow, this isn't the life I want to live. And honestly, which is so sad, is I thought because I was a teacher and because my husband was a teacher, it was our cross to bear to just mm. not ever have money. Oh, we're teachers. We're never going to have a nice house. Oh, we're teachers. We're never going to be able to take these trips. And I just felt like this is just our way of serving the community and we will just never have a lot of money. And I realize now that that was just me having insecurities. That's your belief then, system. Right yes, there. that was my belief system. That was me having insecurities and also giving myself an out to not have to budget, mm -hmm. to not have to pay off debt, and to continue to live this life that maybe I wanted to live and not have to sacrifice for the life I really wanted. Right. And I think that's an amazing point because we have a lot of clients in the wellness industry. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think they're all taught that, that they don't make any money. They're not supposed to, they shouldn't, mm -hmm. they never will. And again, it's in like, it's in service. Like you're doing this kind thing because yes. you are helping, you are serving, you are treating or whatever it may be. And I just, call bullshit on that. Like that, <laughs> whatever industry that you are in, you can make whatever amount of money that you want. You can just decide mm -hmm. to figure out that puzzle and go and earn the revenue, the, the sales that you want. So I'm, I'm glad you say that because it's not, I don't think we're ever stuck. Like whatever, yeah. there's always options, right? It's Even though you're options. a teacher and you have a set, like you don't get to you know, you don't get yes. to control that revenue, yeah. but you can do other things, right? There's Absolutely. other things that you can do, right? So I love that you brought that, that belief up. I want to hear more about this idea that you believed that your happiness came from spending. That feeling that you got when you went shopping caused your happiness. How did you break that? Oh gosh. Well, I feel like I still struggle with it right now. So I can't say I've broken it. I haven't solved the puzzle, but I can tell you that when I was in college, I started associating money and buying things to not just happy feelings, but to all feelings. So mm -hmm. if my boyfriend broke up with me, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm so sad. Let me go shopping at the mall to help me feel better. If I got a good grade on a test, I would celebrate by going shopping. If I was bored, I was, oh, I need to go shopping. I'm bored. And it was, it was crazy to see that any type of emotion, if I was not happy with that emotion, or if I wanted to celebrate that emotion, I would then spend money and I would spend it in the mall on pedicures, extra coffees, all of these things. And I thought it was completely normal. And so it took until my husband, I'll never forget. We were dating at the time and we went into Ulta. I said, I have to run into Ulta. I'll be like, come in with me. I'll be back. Like, it'll be really quick. And then we can go do our, whatever we we're planning. And we went into Ulta and I was like, Oh, I'm just here for one thing. And 20 minutes later, I walk out and I had spent $200 on, you know, a handful of stuff. And I remember him looking at me and saying, do you always do that? And I, immediately I felt defense. And I was like, who are you to say how I spend my money? Like, of course, this is the, I'm a woman. I deserve to have this beautiful makeup. And it was an immediate attack because I think looking back deep down, I knew I was doing that as a way to deal with my feelings. And so it almost took being able to work through that number one in therapy, number two with my husband who is willing to say, you know, okay, are you buying this because you need it? Are you buying because you want it? What are you feeling with it? And being able to stop now and say, why is it that I want this item? Is it in my budget? Can it wait? 
who am I with this item and who will I be without this item? Because mm-hmm. sometimes I felt back in the day, you know, back when I struggled with this, is that without this purchase, I would not be worthy. Without this purchase, I would continue to feel sad. But that is not true. Without this purchase, I am the same person as I was exactly, before. With right? this purchase, I am the same person as I was before. Yes. And so it took years and years and years. And it's something I definitely still struggle with. But I'm able to ask myself those questions and I still slip up sometimes. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. Unlike other startups, Namastream was created by women for women. If you're looking for a simple, streamlined way to build and grow an online business, you can learn more at namastream.com. I think we so often go to the external to be the cause of our feelings. So that purchase yeah. will make me feel happy. Like what you just yeah. said, that purchase is going to make me feel better, but it's not your, the thing doesn't make you feel better. It's your thought about the thing yes. or the thing that you just did, like the thought about your action, which mm-hmm. is shopping that makes you feel better. Right. So that is a huge, huge thing to, to really grasp is that like all that happiness, all those emotions that you're trying to reach are all within us. Like they're just mm-hmm. there. Like we can yeah. choose our thoughts to make that feeling come out. Right. I also think I'm curious, I've heard this before and I don't know if this was your issue, but there's some people who have a really difficult time having money. Like it comes in, it goes out, comes in, it goes out Mm -hmm. because they're so uncomfortable owning it and having it and just being okay that they've got some money. Was that, Mm -hmm. have you heard that with your clients or with yourself? I've heard it, but I personally haven't struggled with that. I have issues if it's in my checking account. Now I do have that issue of in my checking account, I'm like, oh, it's there, I must spend it. But if I move it to a savings account, I don't have that same mm. issue. If I move it to a savings account, it takes it out of that spend bucket into the save bucket. Now it's in the yeah. save bucket. And then I have trouble spending it. Even yeah. if I'm spending it on what it's meant for. Uh-huh. Then I say, no, we can't, we can't spend it. It's in the savings bucket. But my husband is like, no, but we... Saved it for a reason. Yeah, we saved it for this. It's okay if we do if we do it because that's my thing. So for me, if it's inside my checking account, I will spend it. Which is why when we pay ourselves, we immediately when we get paid, we immediately set money aside in savings beforehand because otherwise, I do have the desire to spend money. And one thing that's really weird with me that I don't know if you ever heard this before is that when I am worried about money, and this used to be the case a long time ago but I still feel the anxiety. When I'm worried about money, my desire to spend increases. Uh-huh. So I don't, it's so weird. It's so odd. And I was talking about it on Instagram one day and all, I thought I was alone. And all these people said they felt the same way. If my checking gets down to a low number, I get nervous and then I want to spend it. And I'm like, let me just, I just need to spend it. But that makes no sense. So I had to learn that about myself so many years ago, and then be able to do that self-talk of, no, Allison, it's okay for your number to get low because this is your budget and you're going to get paid in five days and you have money and savings set aside so you don't have to spend this money. To me, that's like the classic case of like your mind is looking for evidence to prove your thought true. So if Mm -hmm. you are, I'm nervous about money. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. Your mind is going to go and like, I'm going to show you that you don't have enough money. And that Mm -hmm. means like that action is going to take to spend it. So it's like so important. 
in more than, I don't know, I want to say almost in any other area of our life, I think to understand our money beliefs and our thinking and how it creates our reality. Like it's so, especially for women and Jenny and I are always going on about how important it is that women are building their own wealth, their own money, their own, like, and not relying on anybody else, not relying on someone to come save them. Like they understand how much money they have, what they can spend. And that it's just totally fine to go and try to build something amazing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want a million dollar business or maybe you want a $50,000, but it doesn't matter. It's like whatever you define it as and go after it with everything mm-hmm. you have. But I think these conversations are missing. So I appreciate your honesty here. I want to hear about your, your business. So you were a teacher. You've dealt with all these money beliefs and these money issues. And then you became very good at budgeting and mm-hmm. saving and, and paying down debt. So tell us what your business is now. Who do you serve and what is their problem? So basically, it's almost like I serve the person that I was eight years ago. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It really is. And my business, I never went into thinking I'd ever own a business. I thought I'd be a teacher forever. And in a way, I still am a teacher. I thought I'd be Mm. in the classroom forever. And whenever we became debt-free, when we paid off that $111,000 worth of debt, I literally felt like, okay, I'm done budgeting. This was nice. This was nice for a couple of years. Now I'm going to live my life. And I just, that passion continued and I wouldn't stop talking about it. And it wasn't until six or seven months later that even my cousin, someone said, Allison, what are you doing? You need to build this business. Like clearly you're meant to do this. Stop talking about it to your family members who have heard it all and build this business. (laughs) And so I started it just saying like, okay, I finally know this is what I want to do. It takes my my talent and my skills of teaching and my passion for budgeting and personal finances and puts them together. So I started Inspire Budget and my goal was to be the guide for the person, the woman that I was eight years prior when I literally thought this is impossible. Because back then there was nobody other than, you know, Dave Ramsey, who's this white male figure who I couldn't relate to very much, who was inspiring in some ways, but I needed someone who was a mom and who had all of the same issues and same problems and and maybe wasn't making a ton of money. I needed Mm -hmm. that and I couldn't find it. And thankfully, you know, I had my husband as encouragement and I had other people as encouragement, but I look back and I see how on earth did we actually make it through all of this because it's hard. So I wanted to be the person that encourages and teaches and helps women become an expert in their own personal finances that is unique to them because I don't believe that there's like one way for everyone. I believe every family is unique. And my goal is to serve others and helping them figure out how to budget, how to pay off debt, how to save money in their own unique way. What is the service that you offer or the products or services so, that you offer? I mean, I have printables, I have budget binders so that we I want to talk about organized. those envelopes in a second. So I have envelopes. Oh my goodness. Yes, I have envelopes. But one of my favorite ways of really truly helping people in an affordable way is through my membership, where I actually have women oh. come in to my membership. It's called the Inner Circle, the Inspired Budget Inner Circle. And it is where I deliver these weekly lessons just basically this step-by-step program where if you take an hour every single day that you can totally transform your life bigger than you ever thought possible. And it's so incredible because the women that are in it and that they do it, they see incredible results. And I I opened it up in September of 2019. And when COVID-19 hit, the people that have been in it just even since January, they just said, I am so much better prepared than I ever thought I would be for this pandemic when it comes to their finances. And I just think like 
it's, it's just changing lives. Yeah. And my hope is that people aren't in my membership forever. I don't right. want people to be in my Learn membership. Learn the skill and then I, go I, spread the exactly. word. Exactly. I want them to lay this foundation and be able to conquer their impulse spending, learn how to create a debt payoff plan that works for them, learn how to deal with if they have credit card impulse spending, and then how to use credit cards effectively, how to use credit cards to build wealth. I want them to learn how to do all of these things and then leave me and be able to do it. So I wanted to ask you, that was one of my questions that I had written down was about COVID-19 and what the patterns and the fears, like how has that changed the conversation in your membership? It's definitely made people, they're thankful that they started and they realize now that before when they felt safe, that that safety was an illusion. Mm-hmm. It was truly an illusion to them because, you know, you have people that had $400 or $500 in savings and they felt safe. And then they realized, oh my gosh, this isn't what safety is. This is not, you know, this is, this is terrifying to feel this way. And so it helps them realize that their lifestyle needed to change some, but that you know, the people that had started beforehand had really set themselves up for success for something that they never imagined would happen. And it could be a pandemic. It could be a loved one having to go in the hospital. I mean, my, my son was in the hospital for over a week and the medical bills were astronomical. And if we had not been in the place we were in, we would have been drowning. Mm-hmm. And it's just things mm-hmm. that you don't, you don't ever think of happening. And yeah. so it's just that peace of mind and that safety, that safety net. What we're witnessing with our clients, so with COVID, you've got a business, you've got a brick and mortar business, mm-hmm. and you think, what could happen, right? And yeah. and it's like, well, this could happen. And I believe that every single business owner will approach things differently going forward, meaning what you're saying is that I'm probably going to have like a little pocket of money, you know, mm-hmm. like just put it in my little envelope, which we still need to talk about and just like have that as a disaster fund for my business, Mm -hmm. because you think that you're so secure, like what could ever happen that would shut my business down short of like fire or flood or something. And that's just short term. And then you can just move to a different building if you need to. Mm -hmm. But I think what people are realizing is like, there is no safety here. Right. And so how am I going to better prepare? I also heard on on the news here locally that a lot of businesses had purchased business interruption insurance and it doesn't cover pandemic. And so they paying all this money and the insurance company is basically saying like, if it was a fire or flood that is like geographically contained and Mm -hmm. sort of time, you know, it's for a particular time. And this pandemic is like every business in the world. And there's, so there's no geographical containment. There is no time containment. It's just like, they can't afford to pay for every single business in the world. They'll go out of business. No one will get their money. (laughs) Right. Right. So it's like, we have to take care of that. Like, and this is exactly Mm -hmm. what you're speaking to. All right. And I need two more questions for you. Profit First, have you read that book? I have not, but it's <gasps> on my list. I know, I know. I've, I've talked to friends. I've had like really big conversations about it. And I've even like have trying to follow the model in my business. Mm-hmm. It was like the four bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And so I have the four bank accounts. Like seven or something. Yeah, 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 actually it's seven. So it's too many. But I've, I've talked about it with other colleagues and things like that. I have a long list of books. <laughs> Like, yeah. And then well, by the end of the day, I don't want to read business books. I want to read fiction books to get yeah. my mind off of my business. Yeah. Yeah. You got to balance it out. I just, I think it's basically what you're saying. And so for anyone listening who has a business, it is like our number one must read because it takes that And this is specific to businesses, although you could mm-hmm. apply it to personal finance. But I think the idea that you like pay yourself first and then what's left over is what you pay your expenses with. It's not yeah. the other way around because so many owners mm-hmm. don't, they pay it, they buy and they buy and they pay and they 
do all these things and there's nothing left for them and it's super frustrating. So I just think that's a really great reference book for any business owners. I want to hear about your envelope system. I love, and this is basically what Profit First teaches with the mm-hmm. different bank accounts, but let's, mm-hmm. let's hear it. And they're beautiful, by the way, they're gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I have, I have one that I'm sending out free to my email list on Monday. I just, so I smart. Where, I don't know They're where I put it. They're just gorgeously designed. Thank you. So it's basically, you know, the cash envelope system is all over. There's nothing, you know, different than necessarily I do. But because I am a spender, I started learning that I get in trouble. Number one, I, I can get in trouble with a credit card. I've, I've learned how to control that. But with my debit card, I can get in trouble with my debit card. And so can my husband. So when it came to groceries and restaurants and eating out, you know, we were swiping our credit card and we were still tracking it on a software program, but it was so much easier to spend. And so one of the first things that we did when we started budgeting was we started using cash envelopes in these areas of our budget that tend to be something where we overspend on, or if we want to save money on them. A lot of people think that we just, you know, if you get paid $2,000, you pull out $2,000 in cash. No, that's not how it works. Mm. I do not recommend that because they'll say, well, how do you pay your electricity bill? And I'll say online, (laughs) (laughs) paid online. So the areas in our budget where we pull out cash and and we didn't do it for April or May, and I can tell a difference, Mm. are groceries, restaurants, car maintenance, just because we have older cars that we want to be able to take them in when we need to. And Christmas, those are our main ones. Oh, and spending money. Because it helps us have a boundary. When you have just a debit card, and you just have this open checking account. You don't necessarily have these boundaries with your spending and what you're spending money on. If it's in there, you can spend it. But when you use cash envelopes, you're setting up actual boundaries for your money. And you are saying, this is what I have chosen to spend on groceries and I will not go over this amount. And if I go over this amount, I know that I have not done a good job of setting up my budget, or maybe I need to relook at how much I'm spending. Maybe the amount I'm setting aside is not enough. And I do very well when I have clear set boundaries for my money as a spender. And so I even have an Allison envelope that's labeled Allison because it's my money that when I was working from home and I used to be able to like go to Starbucks for the day, I knew that I had $50 a month to spend on things like that or lunch out. And it allowed me to have a set boundary and not have guilt when it came to spending that money because I was spending it on what it was for. And how does it feel when you truly honor the rules that you set out for yourself? I feel like a queen. (laughs) I feel like I feel like so much more in control and so much more at peace. Even my husband, he feels that way as well. When, whenever we're able to stick to our restaurants budget, that's our hardest one to stick to because you're able to honor what you said you were going to do. The goals you set, when I honor my budget, I'm honoring my future. When I honor my budget, I'm honoring my family and our priorities that we have in place. Some of our priorities are, you know, one of our big dreams is paying off our home or owning a vacation home and traveling the world, when I can honor that small monthly budget, I am giving a little nod to those goals that I have. Right. Yeah. And that's a really, that's the self-confidence piece. Mm -hmm. It's like you are, you're honoring your own rules. And then, then that becomes, turns into confidence that you can do this, right? Because you've done it so many times in the past. So you're not teaching at all right now. You're just, this is full time. After two years of starting Inspired Budget, I replaced my teaching income. And it was at the point where I was working so much on Inspired Budget and so much on my job, something had to go. 
And so we left, I left teaching. And was that scary or were you excited? It was scary. I had, I had money saved up. I was saving all the money I was making because I knew I actually had a savings account called my quit teaching fund. And that was what it was labeled. Quit teaching fund. I love it. And all of my profits were going into there. You know, I was saving for taxes. I was doing all that, but everything was just going in there so that when I quit, I had months and months of pay, back pay, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to pay myself. It is still scary. It, it makes having a business a little bit scarier. You know, there are times whenever I, I break down with fear, you know, you have all these, even I struggle with money fears. I have an amazing therapist that I can talk to about that and, and can kind of help guide my thinking with it. And a husband that also just says, we're going to be fine. You know, look at, look at the numbers, Allison. You look at the facts. We're going to be fine. But it, it was just all getting into my head. But it's been wonderful. I miss my kids going to school. So I have a quiet place to work during the day. But we'll, we'll get back there eventually. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think we all, we're all feeling that one. So <laughs> I know. Let's leave into Joy and Hustle. I understand you've got it all prepared. I do. So I'm ready for it. What is your joy? So on my joy recently, just with being at home, my husband actually built our boys. I have two boys, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, an outdoor fort high up in the trees with a zip line that goes across from one nice. to the next. And I've just been enjoying with the nice weather we've been getting, just being outside in that fort, seeing my kids play and having fun in the backyard where before it was always craving the iPad and all these things, you know, it's just exciting to be outside with them and be in nature with them. And it, it allows me to escape just the craziness that's going on in this world just for a moment. The, the fears and the, everything I have going on in my business, the projects I have going on in my business, it allows me to escape that. Nice. And your hustle. Oh, my hustle. So I thought about this and I was like, what is it that I'm going to talk about? Mine, I have it in front of me because I always have it with me. It's my full focus planner by Michael Hyatt. I don't, oh, I, don't, oh. I know Michael Hyatt, but I didn't know he had a planner. Why oh, is it so good? It is, it is incredible. It's incredible. It's a quarterly planner and it's meant for people who are running a big business in life. And you set out your weekly goals, your three weekly goals, and you basically have three daily big things you want to tackle because on my list, I'm going to have 20 things a day, but I write down what are the three things I need to do today that are going to get me to my, meet my quarterly goals. What are the three most important things for me to tackle today? So one of them was this podcast interview. Once I'm done with my podcast interview, I can check it off. And it allows me at the end of the day, even if I had 10 things on my list, as long as I cross off those three, I know it was a, a successful day. And then they have the weekly big three. And it's just a really good way to help me organize my time with intention and be able to see progress in my business. Awesome. There's nothing, nothing like a good planner that just works with your systems and the way that your mind works, right? That's that's great. I'll have to look at that. I've not, I didn't know he had a, didn't know he had a planner. Yes. It's lovely. And they have like this bold collection that is great for women. Uh, It's just prettier, I guess. Like inside (laughs) cover is really pretty. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's actually his daughter designed the bold collection. Megan Miller Hyatt is what I think her name is. That's so So. cool. I will look at that. We'll put a link to that. All right. And where can people find you and learn about what you're doing and teaching and selling. Okay, great. You can find me at inspirebudget.com and follow me on Instagram at inspiredbudget where I get my stories daily and I just talk about money, life and everything in between. Awesome. Thank you, Allison. I just want to say again, I appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability and just sharing your personal story and 
I know that it's going to resonate with a lot of people. So thank you for joining me. And thank you for having me on. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free.